OTB GAA Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod Where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way Hurling pod versus football pod Will, you're a coward Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts Off the ball daily Oh Manchester United fans The good times are here We are back or certainly not terrible anymore. Pat Nevin is with us on the football show to chat about the weekend that was. We will have Fiona Hayes and Matt Williams on Monday Night Rugby. That's after 8 o'clock. Half past 7, we'll chat to James Ryan, Irish captain at the weekend in Rome. And more to the point, back to his very best form after a tough 18 months. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick's with us as usual. Hello. Evening, Joe. And Michael McCarthy, good evening. Hey Joe, been here all along, didn't just come back in there two seconds ago. I read, akin to when you put a podcast on half speed, I read that intro slower than usual to buy you time as you sprinted <laughs> to get your uh, headphones. I forgot my headphones, I apologise. I had all, right. all the way back to my desk, which is the furthest desk away of, of all of Team Off the Ball uh, from the studio. in a period at the moment where the Irish rugby team are uh, both trying to win the Six Nations, but it's also about learnings. Yeah. Uh, key or learning watch, from jer- the jer- uh, jer- weekend, key learning, slowing down Ireland's call not good. No. It was important to try it. We tried it out. Not for us. Or some Italian Artane Boys band or whatever did, yeah. That was interesting. That was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, was I was wondering would the players adjust, but they yeah. didn't. They stuck to their tempo. It's important. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's a well drilled team right there. Indeed, yeah. James Ryan manfully went to the end. He's with us this evening. We'll uh, put these key points to him, amongst others. Yep, captain for the day. Um, played well and be interested to hear from him I thought like it's funny we'll get into it in detail I think on Monday Night Rugby but Ireland were it was that sort of performance where you were like at times tearing your hair out but also at times I thought in the first half especially I thought Ireland played rugby that I've I, I could never imagine coming from an Irish rugby team watching them since you know the late 80s early 90s there was times in the first half where every single Irish possession was going to be a try chance. And, you know, we can take positives and negatives. It was far from a perfect performance and Italy were brilliant. <clears throat> but I don't think I've ever seen them play rugby like that. I know, we're taking it for granted a bit. Uh, it, not least when you go from that to half-time in Cardiff, Wales 3, England 8. Yeah. It's like a game from the 70s. That's was, the good times, Joe. That's, that's proper <laughs> traditional rugby. Oh. Which is fantastic. No, do you know what? And to mix points, to broaden it out a bit, generally the championship as a whole has actually been fantastic. And you just have to look back on yesterday's game as well, which was a, a remarkable piece of business between France and Scotland and Paris. Yeah. Generally, the championship has been one of the most open, one of the most tri-laden that I can remember in recent times. And the England-Wales game is the only real black mark on that front that I can really recall, particularly anyway, the first half. And that's down to, I guess, factors that you're probably going to get into, which is two sides very much in rebuild mode and one further along that path, as Andrew Cotter put it, more serenely down that path than possibly Wales are at the minute. Yeah. But generally, the championship has actually been brilliant. And the under-20s has been class as well. Mm. They'd have been better off going on strike. <laughs> it's probably... Yeah. No, but I, it's funny. I was watching that on Saturday evening thinking to myself, like, that's one of the great fixtures. Cardiff... Wales, England, I watch that every year. You know what I mean? I'll skip the odd Six Nations game that Ireland aren't involved in, I admit, <laughs> but I'll always watch Wales and England. And I was watching that on Saturday evening thinking to myself, 
this isn't going to come up in the news round. I'm going to be, I don't need to watch this. What am I doing? <laughs> and I, I stuck with it. I stuck with it. I did watch it. But I was like, I was, it was purely for, you know, duty more than anything. It was terrible. It was, they were playing a different sport than Ireland, Italy beforehand. Do you judge your viewing by what will come up in the news round? No, but I suppose if I'm already watching something and I'm thinking of turning it off, I'll think like, here, have I already committed enough to this that I should know? I see, okay. Yeah. So you've got a full three hours to worry about. You know, I've only got whatever you or Richie are going to throw at me for half an hour. Mm. Uh, James Ryan with us, half past seven. Great to have him on. I haven't spoken to him in years at this stage. And he had spoken in November about it taking some time for him to get his confidence back, just mm. in his body. I, and in particular in his head, frankly, because his run of concussions or uh, quasi-concussions was just so dreadful for a long time. I think there were six in almost 18 months. Uh, 2021 rounds one and four of the Six Nations, Wales and Scotland, there were injuries. There was one against France as well. So several weeks out after that Six Nations, he missed the Lions, remember? So it very much yeah. interrupted his, his summer. And the thought of James Ryan missing the Lions a few years previously was like, borderline crazy. Then staying in that same year the November Internationals failed HIA against Argentina again there's time out comes back in December last year Six Nations he's starting to maybe find his feet a touch again and at Twickenham Charlie Eules shoots out from the line and borderline decapitates him and again that's more time out Uh, it was the most awful run so thankfully since what 11 months ago it's been a much cleaner slate but you, you know throwing yourself around with abandon after going through what must be traumatic in a mm. way is no small thing so we'll certainly chat to him about that amongst other things but he got a, a run of games now injury free and well no surprise he's back to his best yeah that's it I don't know if maybe if some of the discussion about James Ryan's form over the last couple of years didn't take that into account enough you know being honest you know and it is seeing a guy who's playing at full full peak fitness and playing for Ireland every match, playing for Leinster, whatever he's selected as the way things go in the provinces. But, uh, you know, played a good bit of rugby this year and is certainly showing it. Like, you can tell that he's motoring, you know, and he looks the player that we all got so excited about three, four or five years ago um, again. And look, that's brilliant because, you know, it's funny, we're talking about Ireland disappointing performances and so on. When you actually think of the amount of frontline first-team players that were missing on Saturday... Um, it's actually it's actually an unbelievable amount. So we need players that are there to be playing to their potential. And thank God James Ryan is is back at that level. Manchester United fans, they're back. My Twitter timeline was awash with. <laughs> I remember a league <laughs> cup wasn't that important. Oh my Manchester God, Manchester United! Look at Champions League. It was huge. It was. It, it actually did feel like a. It felt like a big, big moment for the club. Now, whether that actually kicks on to anything or not, it's not like Manchester United haven't won any trophies. In the uh, in the post Fergie era, but there's just this this absolute need for this to be the start, the first trophy of many in the Ten Hag era, and the start of a new era of domination for United in English football. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Do but it was a big. Do you know what? It was how comfortably they did it, and I it's think. built. It's built on real steady progress as opposed. Oh, to without a doubt, it wasn't just one of those. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they've been brilliant for the last couple of months, but. Um, yeah, again, <laughs> it was played against a team who have completely run out of legs yeah. and haven't been right in three months. And uh, raining on the parade. There, I'm Michael. not raining on the parade. I'm finding the parade fascinating, amusing. <laughs> well, so the uh, whatever the residual Manchester United fandom 
of mine that is left from a, a, a hardcore childhood of really loving them. You're always qualifying that. Go on. Just I don't, you know, yeah. I don't connect with this team or, or teams of recent years the way I once did. I lived and died by uh, Manchester United once yeah. at a time. Uh, I must say, it's less fun now because Eric Ten Hag has made them solid. And so I now tune in knowing they're not going to lose 8-0 or 6-0 or like a Brentford. That was the last great day. <laughs> <laughs> the day of texting people. Uh, Can you believe how terrible this is? This is unbelievable. Uh, look, I'm the Andy Farrell of Manchester United fans. I, 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 I embraced the adversity. Yeah. And I thought it was more fun. Well, I'm interested to hear that from Manchester United fan. For the rest of us, huh. that's the golden age. Mm. And it went away so quickly because Ten Hag came in and they had like the... like. The end of last season was amazing because I thought West Ham were going to catch them and knock them straight out of Europe because you know you just weren't picking up any points and you didn't know what was going to happen from one game to another and that continued on last season in a way that oh actually maybe I do know what's going to happen they're going to be a calamity and get hammered yeah, and then he got it back together and now it's boring you're right I know right. like hammered and then it was like oh my god Roy Keane's in the studio this is going to be amazing. And now it's just like, yeah, they were good. Casemiro's deadly, isn't he? Yeah, it turns out Brentford and Brighton both better than we thought they'd be this year well, as true. well. You know, I'm not saying they weren't a calamity. They got rid of Ronaldo. That was the last. Like, was Ronaldo's release quietly during the World Cup with a Ten Hag press conference a full two weeks away when he kind of didn't mention it anyway, the official end of the United banter yeah. era? Yeah. Like, I mean, when, when we get the treads... Yeah. On Twitter or whatever yeah. Twitter's replacement was, will be. In that a was couple the day the years. music died. That could be the last yeah. entry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just less of an event now, Richie. The uh, too solid. The six nil losses, the <clears throat> protests, the the rants in the Sky Studio. It's now like, are oh, they one two nil again? Yeah, too solid, too perfunctory. It's like it's it's it, it's bland in a way in its success. Tell you what, Alex Ferguson, is, as Stephen Doyle pointed out, he's become more visible since United have become more successful, isn't Funny he? Funny that, isn't it? Yeah, strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's holding court I, on why Rashford's a left-sided player. It wasn't saying know, boo yeah. for ten getting, years. Get, getting invited into the dressing room yesterday after the win and all that. It's uh, it's great, to, great to see him. Is that uh, Ferguson, at the centre of success? Is that Ferguson looking for reflected glory? Because yes. I, 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 well, see, I'd read that maybe that's true, and he's not never mm. been one for a small ego. But I'd see that as, well, I can't be involved because people would be asking me questions I can't answer when things are at their worst. So like now you, I can like come out of my cave. Well, the more, chari- so, the more charitable version would be he recognises this is a manager who's obviously now, we can all say, of serious quality. So actually my presence in and around the team is not just uh, horrible yeah, yards, he, impossible yardstick to be compared against. He thought David Moyes was that manager as well, to to be fair. And like he's he's wanted the reflected glory of whatever may come since he left, since he stood on the pitch and said, your job now, uh, as regards David Moyes. Like he's he's wanted to be the father figure of what came next ever since he stepped down. And now he gets to be that. Do you not think he was, you know, not happy they were losing, but didn't mind five years of the empire crumbling. It, it supplanted his legacy. I mean, there was no, there's no doubt about that. Like, you know, the, the 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 longer United were a rabble after Alex Ferguson, the more his rightly acclaimed achievements yeah. were going to matter. You know, like I mean, it's like I mean, the, his stats at the time seemed incredible, but we were living through them, and then then he's gone, and already you're kind of thinking. 
Jesus, when you actually look at that, like 13 league titles, that's insane. Mm. And then you kind of see what happens after he leaves and it becomes even, it goes even to a higher pedestal. So there's no doubt in my mind that, that he's just mad about that. <laughs> it would be a huge and, and, and he also saw, at least yeah. some part. If they and won three Champions League, three, if David Moyes won three Champions League in a row. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Fergie, like, oh, sorry, can we clip that? <laughs> Don't. Don't clip that universe. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> on, on a serious note, though, like Ten Hag does look to be genuinely the real deal. I was uh, reading some pieces about his interview at the club at the start of his tenure. And it was so it was like Richard Arnold was there. And I mean, what an upgrade Arnold is versus Ed Woodward. Like You can't disentangle the last decade from Ed Woodward's no. awfulness. And Darren Fletcher was there as well for the interview process, a man who would both know football and I think have an acute sense of what had gone wrong at the club. And the word is that by all accounts, Ten Hag came in and in that very steely way that we've come to know, he just said, this is terrible. This is terrible. This aspect of the club also terrible. This, this, this and this and this all need to change. It's a disaster. He had a very detailed presentation on the club, top to bottom. Mm. And uh, Pat Nevin with us later on, who, uh, you know, in, in so much as he could say, he knows Darren Fletcher. And let's just say Fletcher was sitting there pretty thrilled to hear that. Okay. Thank God some home truths for these are my words not Fletcher's the idiots running this place yeah. and and that may be you know re, they therefore really push for Ten Hag over Poch for instance Yeah Yeah and that like isn't that a fascinating thing that that like it, you can work yourself into such a rabble and standards can drop so much that it takes that kind of hard ass approach sometimes to kind of do a complete reset. That's not the easiest thing to do in the world. No, yeah, like at any level, at any at any type of company, or you know, because you are going in and completely ripping the work of everybody that's been sitting in that room over how how long. But probably, you know, probably if it's helps. not done, nothing yeah, ever changes. True, and, and look, it probably helps that Richie Arnold's freshly in. Ed Woodward might have been as keen, might not have been as keen to hear that messaging. Uh, you're forgetting, guys, United also whacked Barcelona, the best team in Europe last week. So not just Newcastle. I think there's a touch of sarcasm. Barcelona were very, 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 very poor yeah, on Thursday night. Oh, my sarcasm God. Sarcasm there. Yeah. Know, sorry, I don't I don't mean to, because I just feel like I'm always on the other side of Manchester United are back and it's, it's not fair. They went behind in that game and you're sort of thinking, I just think that three, four months ago, United weren't coming back and winning that game. Oh, yeah. You know, I think I, I like... You know, we can make fun of Barcelona being the best team in Europe or it only being the League Cup. They're making huge strides. Like, it's, you know, all joking aside. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, there is something real happening at Old Trafford. Uh, Lads have been stuck in traffic all day. There's that many United fans crawling out of the woodwork to get back in the bandwagon, says Sean. Liverpool won League Cups and UEFA Cups in the first 11 years of nothingness post-1990. Just saying, says the Ruscom and Raquel May. And can we please slow the Italian national anthem down next year at the Aviva, if only for the sheer comedy of it? And then uh, this person spells out E dot 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 tal dot 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 yeah. You get the point. Works better in text form, but I'm trying to bring it to the radio. Let's uh, admirably. <laughs> let's start the news round brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Richie, where are we going? Uh, rugby first, Finlay Bealham is going to miss Ireland's remaining Six Nations games with Scotland and England. The Connacht tighthead suffered a twisted knee in Saturday's win over Italy and was replaced four minutes before the break by Tom O'Till. News of Bealham's injury will be tempered by the impending return of Tyke Furlong. 
He has been retained as part of a 27-man mini-training camp this week and could make his return at Murrayfield. Robbie Henshaw and Jemison Gibson-Park are also part of that group, having not played in any of the first three games of the Six Nations. Scotland will be without Locke Grant Gilchrist for the game on Sunday week after he was red-carded in yesterday's defeat to France. The loss ended Scotland's Grand Slam hopes, but head coach Gregor Townsend remains hopeful they can do the same to Ireland. Yeah, we'll see, Luke. They're the best team in the world. We've not played them at home for a while with, with a crowd, so it'll be good to, to have that. We're going to have to play really well. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the game last year we played well against them, but our discipline let us down, and if you give away penalties to Ireland, they are very efficient around what they do in the, the opposition 22, so discipline will, will have to be really good. Um, I felt it was really good today. I felt we were winning a lot of penalties against France, thought that we could get a yellow card as well. It was penalty after penalty. And it was our attack that was getting the penalties. And you'd just like to think that maybe um, one more, that would have changed things a lot going playing against 13 men. But ultimately, it was our, our lack of precision on a couple of occasions that, that cost us scoring tries. They were good. Genuinely steel about them now. 19-0 down, less than 20 minutes on the clock. Should have won that game. Yeah, Scotland teams yeah. of old foe, don't they? So a hyped up Murrayfield for quote unquote the best team in the world pitching in and be sticky. Yeah, absolutely. But sure, look, isn't that what Ireland want? You know what I mean? Like you want to well, grant. Look, no, I don't we, we'd that. love to get a grand slam and it to be easy away. But like, it, our, like my bigger issue with Scotland is that they're coming into the best form nearly of our lifetime as they are the third team in our World Cup group. But at the moment, it's like, right, if Ireland want to go and win the type of Grand Slam that will kick on to win a World Cup, go to a hyped-up Murrayfield where they're at their best and sure. find a way to All win. All right, Andy know? Farrell. Can we come back into like the real world here? This is, look, this is the way I think of things. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the milestones and the stepping stones and whatever else, all the different types of stones. I've always said about you, you're just so comfortable in chaos. <laughs> <laughs> You saw me running into the studio there halfway through your intro. Actually, you, you weren't comfortable in that chaos. <laughs> you were freaked. Uh, totally agree. Long-time Man United supporter here. I was way more interested to see how they'd fix their decline than the brilliance under Sir Alex. Oh, this is, going, this is pre-Sir Alex. Okay. And uh, I was at Sheffield Wednesday beating United when I was eight. Strachan, Olsen, etc. So a genuine fan, says somebody. Okay. You found the Ferguson fixing things boring. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah. Just winning leagues every year. Boring. Yeah, no, that was still that was still box office. You probably think, liked when uh, Dennis Law scored and relegated them back in 1970s splash. Yeah. I think, like for United fans, when they get back into the competing for leagues territory and and it's high stakes stuff, then you, then okay, that's exciting again. They're just in that middle ground now of steady eddies, mm. but not likely to win the league. Yeah. Not even in a battle for the top four this year. I think they're in a title race, I have to be honest, but uh, United fans don't want to entertain that at the moment, and I understand why. I didn't recoil when Gregor Townsend said they're the best team in the world. Usually that'd be a, what's he up to here? And I'm like, you're, you're damn right we are. Yeah, people are saying it with a lot more, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's definitely a lot more common, and I feel it's a lot more, it's a lot less kind of like trying to rise us. No. Uh, I saw a lot of Italian uh, responses to their performance being like, look at the way we lived with the best team in the world, you know, at their, and it, there wasn't the kind of a sense of we should have won that game like, or we threw it away or it was more, what a massive performance from Italy. Uh, you know, that's something that we never analyse. We never talk about how mm-hmm. good Italy actually were and how they've good they've been all the way through this championship and they ran France a lot closer than they ran Ireland. I don't know about you, but I never felt like Ireland were going to 
loses the game. No, I just really. kind of felt that they dig something out, and that's another thing. It's just this, uh, you know, that's a change. I said we there. Not but, sure about that. Well, you, like they're the country you're from, right? Ireland are Ireland were missing uh, Sexton, Gibson Park, Furlong, Blad. Like burn, yada yada, Ring, Ring Rose, yeah. Henshaw. You know, think about all these players. Like Ireland have never. Like, if we were ever in any other part of our history missing that level, that caliber of player from a first team going to Rome a, a, to a resurgent Italy, yeah, we'd have been scared. So you're saying we as well? I, I, we'd have been scared. We the the Irish public team. and fans is what I meant. Is would that have how been we should be talking? We. I know it's different to like Liverpool fans saying I think we were really good last night. I think it's different <laughs> internationally. Yeah, I mean, with, right. maybe this is a subject for a slight tangent tomorrow. Wow, Richie, compelling, no? On-air production meetings are the best kind. Yeah, fact. Um, we, yeah, it's hard to know. It, 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 uh, it is tricky as journalists how to talk about the national representative sides. I always think we. Yeah, I think you're allowed to be a bit bipartisan, can't you? Well, I think we're Irish people speaking Partisan, to an Irish audience Partisan. about an Irish team. I don't think there's any sense that we have to be uh, as fair to as uh, no, you know down the line towards Italy. Uh, you know, there's it's be weird if um, George Hamilton was like, "Can the keeper save O'Leary's penalty?" Whatever the keeper is, you know, it's it's more a nation hold its breath. Yeah. Okay. S- Silvio Lunger or Joe. That's twice. You, you both call me Jerry. What's going on? <laughs> something you don't know about they do kind of sound like <laughs> it just comes out of your mouth right, okay. I know who you are Joe <laughs> uh, so oh they just sort of crept out of nowhere this morning yeah Leo Cullen has signed a two year contract extension to remain as Leinster head coach he previously signed a series of one year rolling deals following his appointment in 2015 however senior coach Stuart Lancaster departs for Racing in the summer and Jonathan Sexton retires after the World Cup so IRFU performance director David Nusifora says the length of Cullen's new deal will help with continuity at Leinster. Meanwhile, Leinster lock John McCarthy is going to be out for two months with an ankle injury. In better news, Kieran Frawley increases his training load this week as he works his way back from a knee injury. Mm, yeah, as you, as you said, it's been one year rolling deals for Cullen. So this is uh, a departure and a touch more continuity. Good news for Munster fans. Yeah, certainly is. I think fans in general after this one too. Uh, Orgy Snyman could make his monster return against the Scarlets on Friday night. The Springbok lock hasn't played since rupturing his ACL for a second time in October of 2021. Munster say Snyman is available for selection, having returned to full training in recent weeks. So another uh, busy weekend at GA. What, what are the headline uh, bits and pieces? Yeah, Limerick made a back-to-back wins in Division 1A of the Allianz Hurling League. Tom Morrissey sent over eight points, five from play, as the All-Ireland champions beat Galway 24 points to 19 in Salt Hill. Aidan McCarthy scored 110 and David Reedy netted a brace of goals as Clare went mental, thrashing a sorry Wexford 6.25 to 118 yesterday, while Cork boss Pat Ryan was still unhappy with his players' work rate despite their 27 points to 21 win over Westmeath. Waterford are second in Division 1B after yesterday's 122 to 17 point victory over Antrim. Kilkenny kept alive their own semi-final ambitions with a 34 points to 118 win over Leash in Port Leash. Ross Commons' 100% start to Division 1 of the Allianz Football League came to an end with a 14 points to 11 defeat to Monaghan in Clonus. Donegal remained second from bottom in the top flight following their 1-9 apiece draw with Galway. Derry are top of Division 2 following yesterday's 2-15 to 7-point win over Kildare. It's now back-to-back defeats for Colm O'Rourke's Meath who lost by 3 points to Louth Navin and Connor Corbett scored 2-1 and Chris Oak Jones uh, scored 6 points as Cork demolished Limerick uh, at Pork E. Cueve. Uh, very good. Rich, the clock is slightly coming against us. So uh, some other stories, you know, Shane Larry fifth at the Honda Classic tournament mm. won by Chris Kirk. Leona Maguire 
uh, tied for sixth at the LPGA in Honda. We will find out on Friday if Jack Kennedy will ride at Cheltenham. Gordon Elliott will reveal it then. We might just uh, finish up on the passing of Tony O'Donoghue. Yeah, tributes paid to the former RT Athletics commentator, Tony O'Donoghue, who has died at the age of 86. He was one of their voices of the Olympic Games and athletics in general, going from Munich in 1973 right through to London 40 years later in 2012. O'Donoghue lent his voice to many of Irish athletics' greatest ever moments, including Eamon Coughlin's 5,000-metre gold medal at the inaugural World Championships in Helsinki in 1983. The German is holding the lead. Coughlin is waiting. Mick, you were very keen to mention Tony O'Donoghue. Yeah, I just I, I wasn't sure if we were just going to mention him. Just one of those voices of. Uh, the Olympics for me and uh, you know I always just associate RTE uh, you know coverage of the track and field in particular with him and George Hamilton as a brilliant double act where one of them will Super. take the field yeah. and one of them will do the race and they'll swap over and you're just spending these Olympic evenings which is like for me that's nearly the imprint of like memories of summers in my life would be just like you know the the, the, the especially the track and field at Olympics and they were a great double act they used to have brilliant conversations and then they both had the great tempo of like the commentary itself and it was one of those ones that I don't know if you agree Richie but it yeah. almost you didn't mind which one of them were doing the race no, that'd be no, very absolutely. unusual you know that'd be very unusual that you'd be at a point where you're like right you know who was on here and it's like right it's Sonia and it's you know it's mm. like right I hope George gets the call or I hope Tony gets the call they were just brilliant together and they both had a great great tone and a great pitch I suppose and then they'd be there with each other to reflect on what had just happened as well I just yeah it's it's sad because again that's just a voice of kind of my youth of sport anyway kind of uh, who's passed yeah, George actually had a really good line about him today, saying he, he wore his intelligence and his knowledge very, very lightly. Like, and Tony was a statistician. He basically looked after the stats a lot of the time for Irish athletics and athletics in general. And, um, like, they had everything, like, on recall, completely off the top of his head. And it's so easy for someone like that to become boring and robotic and repetitive. But there was this, like, mellifluousness to his delivery and the fact that him and George, as, as Mick mentions, were a great double act. And, like you say, you could happily spend three, four hours in their company watching on TV and think nothing of it. And it just rolled by. You'd learn something. You'd watch something historic or vaguely historic or vaguely controversial. And they would handle it just supremely calmly and with supreme confidence. And like Mick says, one of those voices will be missed. Okay, fellas. Very well said. Richie, thank you. Nice, lads. Mick, thanks very much. Cheers, lads.